0: Good morning Central Baptist Church on this Easter Sunday morning. Uh, Donna and I are coming to you this morning uh, and just excited to be with you for the virtual Sunday school class on this blessed Easter morning. Uh, As you know we've been in the book of Job uh, for several weeks now. We're continuing that study this morning uh, as part of our Connect 360 series. So hopefully you've enjoyed these Lessons. Uh, This is lesson number six, and we're gonna go look at a few verses uh, this morning, Job 9, verses 32 through 35. I know I'm finding, Donna, this study to help me with my walk with God, although I have to admit I've never quite experienced the extent of loss that Job did in such a short period of time. So let's do a little review. Uh, Job was considered, first of all, a true servant of God but God allowed Satan to absolutely destroy his life, the life he knew as long as he didn't take Job's life. He lost all of his family except his wife, all of his property, even his health. He is now completely miserable, condemned by his friends, confused about what is happening to him, and wishing that he could find some relief. He's essentially powerless, in this situation, but feels that his best path forward is just to speak to God. Let me read our verses. So if you'll turn to Job, to the ninth chapter, beginning in verse 32. He that is God is not a mere mortal like me, that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. If only there was someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me, so that his terror wouldn't frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear to him, but as it stands now, with me, I cannot.
1: You know, Lee, as I read this scripture, I kept asking myself, what was it that Job wanted from God? He already felt that it wasn't his sin that had caused his problems. He knew that he wasn't perfect, but he also thought that sin was was not the root cause of these disasters. So he wasn't really wanting to defend himself in that sense. An apparent answer would be so that God would restore him, would fix his problems. But as we learn more about Job, we see that that is not true either because in Job 13.15, Job actually says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So I kept coming back to the same question. What did he want from God? This week I was listening to the radio and some poetry came on. And even though I didn't feel I particularly needed it, it fed my soul. And I thought, that's what Job wanted. He wanted God to feed his soul. He wanted God to fill him up in a way that nothing else could fill him up. When we wrap this lesson up, we're going to read the words of a hymn that speak a little more to that.
0: You know, I do think uh, the root of Job's words here is that he knows without a doubt that he needs God. But think back to the beginning of the book of Job, Donna. Even when he had it all, he still knew that he needed God. He knew both in want and in plenty that he needed God. He never doubted that. That was always a constant in Job's life, even when everything else changed.
1: You know, I would think that that would be a universal feeling, a universal thought that we need God. But I do know firsthand that it's not. In 2009, we, I went with my younger daughter to South Africa on a humanitarian mission. And most of the participants were college age students and the conditions were extremely challenging physically, mentally, there was no clean water, there were no cleaning supplies, it was survival. And the volunteers were there of their own choosing And there was one young man from England who said to me very clearly that he did not need God. He had everything he needed. His life was complete. And I hope and pray that his attitude about that has changed. But we can see that's a stark contrast to the way that Job felt when he had everything that he needed.
0: You know, Job had hoped that his wife and his friends would stand by him during all of this, that they wouldn't lose faith in him or accuse him. They were really all he had left, and he hoped that they would help him plead his case to God, but he's pretty much abandoned right now by everyone. He is left with God alone and realizes this. He states that God is not a man. Donna,
1: in what ways would you say that God is so very different from us? Well, of course, that's a laughable question. Um, God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing. He has always been and always will be. He is holy, loving, merciful. We need that mercy because we are not those things. We are sinful. Job never tried to approach God as an equal, but he is still in need of being able to talk with God about the situation he finds himself in. You know, it occurred to me that Job could have said at that point, well, if I can't have God's blessing, at least I can have the blessing of my wife and my friends if I simply abandon God and agree with him. He could have chosen that connection and having some comfort and some security in the time that he had none. But he continued to value value his relationship with God as the most important. Of course, Satan wanted him to denounce that relationship with God, but he didn't. While we focus on Job's faith in God, we see here that God has also demonstrated his faith in Job. And that is a great question for us Can we say that God can demonstrate faith in us?
0: You know, I think uh, we can see that certainly in the choices that we make. Satan took everything away from Job except his life. There was nothing else that he could have taken that would have made him change his mind about God. Job was tested to a far greater extent than any of us have been tested, I might say and yet people are always falling at the state, Satan's traps for them. We can learn from Job that settling for other earthly relationships or things is not a good trade if we lose our relationship with God. You know, there's an old saying, everything and everyone has their price, but we see that wasn't true for Job. He never sold out to Satan.
1: That's right, and that brings up a point, a major point of this lesson, today we have christ as our mediator to bridge that great gap between the sinless god and sinful man christ alone was worthy to pay for our sins through his death his resurrection has given all of us the gift of eternal life we are so blessed in this way but what about job how was he to get to god without the cross, without the Easter day that we celebrate.
0: You know, all throughout the Old Testament, Donna, we read of people whose faith was credited to them as righteousness. This was spelled out clearly in Genesis fifteen six, when God said that Abraham's faith was credited to him. What this means is that their credit was paid in full when Christ sacrificed himself for us on the cross. These Old Testament characters didn't have the full knowledge that we have today, certainly, and they didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit that Christ left with us, but they did have some understanding of being in the right relationship with God through their actions and their hearts. The death of Christ has paid for our sins, doesn't it? But it doesn't take away the need for us to present ourselves before God with a pure heart.
1: Right. You know, one of the commentaries that I read said, may we learn the difference between justifying ourselves and being justified by God himself. Job was brought to the point that he had nothing to bring to God. He had no sacrifice to offer God. He was stripped of anything that had value which is where we actually need to be spiritually before we come to God. We really don't have anything to bring Him. We don't have enough good works. We don't have enough material blessing. We don't have enough of anything that we can bring to Him that would impress God. Our lives and our hearts alone are what He wants. We no longer have to make sacrifices the way that the Old Testament people did. We also shouldn't feel like we need to pay indulgences the way the Catholics did in the Middle Ages. God doesn't want our money or our sacrifices because the price has already been paid for our salvation through Christ. Also, I believe that giving something to God can mask a lack of true commitment. Giving to the church might perhaps ease someone's conscience and bypass a deeper need that goes underdressed.
0: You know, I imagine that Job knew that he had really nothing he could say to God. God knew his heart. He knew his life. The only thing he could do was to be still and quiet before God, and yet he was so full of questions, so full of desperation, And he had to deal not only with the loss of physical things, but the loss of his friends as well. He was absolutely devastated. He would have felt the pain to an even greater extent because of the lifestyle that he came from. I find it ironic that while his friends were criticizing him, the truth is that Job was actually more upright than they were, which is why Satan wanted to destroy Job in the first place. This would remind us, to hold our criticisms of others, wouldn't it?
1: It does. You know, as
0: I look back uh, through the history of mankind, there have been approximately 117 billion people that have been born on earth. Of course, that's a bit of a guesstimate, but every one of those persons is unique, with a unique DNA, unique life circumstances, which is why we have no right to be uh, Bildad, uh, Elahu, Zophram, Ephraim, to anyone. We can't attempt to fix other people's problems, although we like to think we can, by looking through the lens of our own lives. We can be there for people and listen, but we can't assume we understand their relationship to God other than what they tell us.
1: Right. You know, um I hear the word judging and judgment a lot in Christian circles, and it's a hot button for sure. I think it would actually help us as Christians to use a different word, like disagree, or maybe even say, yes, I am being critical of that person. It doesn't carry the same impact that the word judgment does. I know I have been called judgmental before, and the word stings, because it's meant to. I explained that I did disagree, but I'm not proclaiming damnation on anyone. The truth is that we're all guilty, just as Job was. But God restores us in spite of our guilt. We aren't innocent. We can't plead innocence. We can't pretend. We are guilty. But God is merciful. And Christ has paid that debt of sin for us.
0: So let me talk about some uh, takeaways, uh, Donna, from today's lesson. First of all, I think we have to stand in awe before God and fear his power. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away, and he does that as he chooses. He alone has the power over life and death. That sounds good until you're the one who's lost everything like Job. Then we become tempted to want to bargain with God, which is what Satan wants us to do. Haven't we all tried at some point to bargain with God? I know there've been times in my life when I wanted to bargain with God, but that's not the kind of relationship we should have if we truly trust God. So what about you, Don, what takeaways do you have?
1: We need to have compassion for those that are wounded physically and spiritually and pray for them because quite often they don't know how to pray for themselves. We need to learn from Job's friends not to be critical of someone when they're down, but to encourage them to keep on trusting in God and to think about the fact that God has faith in them to do the right thing with his help. I do think about the Ukrainian people today and how they have lost everything, much in the same way that Job did. We have to pray for these people.
0: And also during the Lenten season, many Christians, uh, Donna, have given something up, which is a beautiful thing to do uh, to honor God. But we we need to remember that there's nothing, that has nothing to do with being made right before God. We are justified because of God's gift to us. Christ and Christ alone. I think we can also be reminded to be grateful of all the blessings that we have. We may not always have them, but when we do, they are a true gift from God and we should be thankful for that. I'm going to close our Sunday school lesson this morning with the words from a song and we can use that as as our prayer. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, who ever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin." Because of the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. Behold Him there, the risen Lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with Himself I cannot die. My soul was purchased by His blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. Don and I pray that each of you feel the need to be fed by God today, to be filled with him. And let us take that away this special week, this holy week. For Christ is risen. He He is is risen risen indeed. indeed.